0: Welcome to the Sermon Podcast, the First Christian Church of St. Paul, located in Roseville, Minnesota. We are a congregation of Christian Church, Disciples of Christ, a congregation that is united in Christ for the sake of the world. Join us for worship in person or via our live stream, Sundays at 11 a.m. You can learn more about us by going to FCCStPaul.org. Here is this week's sermon. Our text this morning comes from the 10th chapter of the Gospel of Luke, verses 10 through 17. You can follow along in your bulletin. Now he was teaching in one of the synagogues on the Sabbath. And just then there appeared a woman with a spirit that had crippled her for 18 years. She was bent over and was quite unable to stand straight. When Jesus saw her, he called her over and said, woman, you are set free from your ailment. When he laid his hands on her, he immediately stood up straight and began praising God. But the leader of the synagogue, indignant because Jesus had cured on the Sabbath, kept saying to the crowd, there are six days which, ought, which work ought to be done. Come on those days and be cured, not on the Sabbath day. But the Lord answered him and said, You hypocrites, does not each of you on the Sabbath untie his ox and his donkey from the manger and lead it to water? And ought not this woman, a daughter of Abraham, whom Satan bound for eighteen long years, be set free from this bondage on the Sabbath day? When he said this, all of his opponents were put to shame, and the entire crowd was rejoicing at all the wonderful things being done by him. This is the word of God for all the people of God. Thanks be to God. Amen. The Tokyo Olympic Games were memorable. They were memorable for a lot of reasons. Of course, maybe the most foremost is, of course, that the 2020 Olympic Games took place in 2021 because of the coronavirus pandemic. And it was also memorable because while the pandemic by the summer of last year was starting to abate, wasn't as bad as the year before, there were still high rates of infection, especially in Japan. So the Olympic committee decided that spectators had to stay home for this Olympic Games. But the Games went on. And the Games, as they always do, bring up stories, stories about the athletes. And one of those controversies, one of those stories that came up involved the the gymnast Simone Biles. The petite athlete had come to prominence in the 2016 games in Rio de Janeiro. And she won five medals, four were gold. And all eyes were on her to match or even better her record in Rio. So this time, everyone was looking forward to this, but it was interesting. Something was off. She was making small mistakes on different exercises, things that were uncharacteristic of an athlete of her caliber. In fact, on Instagram, she said that she felt that the weight of the world was on her shoulders. When the time came for her to do the women's vault, it was truly apparent to everyone that something was wrong. Now, this particular event required that Biles would do two and a half twists in midair. But in practice and later in the competition, she was only doing one and a half twists. And then she did something shocking. She withdrew from the competition, citing mental health concerns. Now there were many people who applauded what she did and they understood, but there were also commentators and, and people who were just thought that this was a sign of weakness or selfishness because she wasn't a team player. But as I said, there were many people, especially many athletes, that understood. Michael Phelps, who's probably one of the most decorated Olympic athletes in history, has been very open about his own mental health struggles. And that included suicidal thoughts that took place after his competition in swimming at the 2012 games in London. He said the following about Biles, and also about himself. You know, we carry a lot of things, a lot of weight on our shoulders, and it's challenging, especially when we have the lights on us and all of these expectations being thrown on top of us. So he said about Biles, it broke my heart. The reality for Biles was that her head was not in the game. And I mean that literally. She was suffering from what gymnasts would call the twisties. And it's a sensation where you basically lose all sense of direction. And that is probably not a good thing to have happen to you when you're in midair. A trainer, Andrea Orris, explained on Instagram, and this was picked up by a magazine, why it made so much sense for her to drop out. And she wanted to explain what the twisties were all about. And this is what she says. For non gymnasts who may not understand, the fact that she balked midair and accidentally did a 1.5, 1.5 on her first vault instead of a 2.5 is a big deal. It's terrifying. She could have been severely injured getting lost in the air like that. The fact that somehow she landed on her feet shows her experience and is incredible. The margin for error on a skill like that is insanely low and a very small wrong move and career ending or even worse, life-threatening injuries can occur. But that wasn't the only issue at hand there was a reason that she wasn't doing this. And it wasn't just because of this loss of sense of direction. That was the manifestation. But there was a lot going on in her life. And this, again, Andrea Oris adds this. We're talking about the same girl who was molested by her teen doctor throughout her entire childhood and teen years. One the World All-Around Championship title while passing a kidney stone, put her body through an extra year of training through the pandemic, added so much difficulty to her routines that the judges literally do not know how to properly rate her skills because they are so ahead of her time and countless more obstacles that we may not even know of, all this while maintaining her responsibilities to her endorsement deals, the media, personal relationships, etc., and some people can still honestly say, Simone Biles is soft, she's a quitter. That girl has endured more trauma by the age of 24 than most people will ever go through in a lifetime. Biles was one of the young women that were molested by Dr. Larry Nasser, who was a team physician for USA Gymnastics. And we found out that he had abused many young girls for decades. With that, along with the pressure to match or to best her performance from Rio, it proved too much for the 24 year old girl. And so she stopped. When we think about the word Sabbath, what comes to mind usually is a time for rest and that is important. We find that in the scripture, in the earliest of scripture, where God rests on the eighth day, or on the seventh day. But it can also mean that something stops. Something that was in action, something that kept, just kept going, isn't happening right now. Expectations are put on hold, or they're just dropped altogether. Things stop. Sabbath, though, is also about memory. One of the Ten Commandments, of course, is where God tells the Israelites to keep keep the Sabbath, to remember the Sabbath, and to keep it holy. And God explains why they have to do that. And if you go into reading Deuteronomy, God explains that the people, the Israelites, were once slaves to Pharaoh. Slaves that were worked day and night toiling for the king. And now they were freed from the the Pharaoh's tyranny by God. And a response to the grace of God, which the Israelites experience is to rest. It is a reminder of belonging. Or, as Kara Root, who is a... Colleague of mine and a pastor here in Minneapolis has said, You rest because you belong to God who set you free. Remember the Sabbath, and you remember that your freedom and that of others. We belong not to the gods that enslave in endless busyness, anxious production, and fierce, dehumanizing competition, but to the God of abundance. Of freedom, of justice, and rest. So, Sabbath is about rest. It's about stopping the busyness of life, the rat race, and remembering who we are. And more importantly, whose we are. So, in the text that we've just read in Luke, Jesus is in the synagogue on the Sabbath teaching. I can imagine that he was in the middle of a worship service when this woman appears. It's interesting that he is probably preaching or doing something in a worship service, and he immediately stops what he's doing. What we know about this woman that he is paying attention to, that he stops everything that is going on from happening, is that she has had this condition It has made it difficult for her to walk. And she's had this condition for 18 years. I've never been, I, I don't have or suffer with pain. I know people though who do. And having to suffer with that for 18 years has to be unmanageable. Jesus looks at the woman, and he does not say that her faith has healed her. He simply says she's freed from the condition. And immediately she is freed, and immediately she is praising God. Now, this event should have shocked everyone, and probably, in fact, it did. Most of the people probably sitting here expecting the usual Sunday worship service, all of a sudden sees this woman, who they probably know, who was bent over, is able to see, to look up, to be whole in a way. But not everyone was shocked, or at least not in the way that you would expect. The leader of the synagogue was incensed. He basically said, there are six other days That this woman could have come to be healed. Why didn't she come on those days, not on this day? The woman, the leader, could not see that the woman was in need. Just like a lot of the people who criticized Simone Biles could not understand or see the stress that she was under. He wanted people to follow the Sabbath. But the problem was he forgot what the Sabbath was all about. And also, to be honest, he wasn't that good at following it himself, as Jesus would point out. Jesus was going wanted to Jesus is incensed. And so he comes back at the leader. And he says, basically that if this person's, this man's ox or donkey is thirsty, he's of course going to untie that animal and lead them to water. Oxes and donkeys were beasts of burden, so people would need them to carry stuff around. And if this man who would do that is upset because, on a Sabbath, is upset because a woman who Jesus refers to as a daughter of Abraham, to remind this person, this, the leader, of the connection that this man has to this woman. It's more important that these beasts of burdens be treated fairly than it does for this woman. Jesus, is, he calls out the man because he forgot what the Sabbath was all about. He forgot about the woman fellow child of Abraham who was in need. He forgot that Sabbath is about community. It is about people. It is not necessarily about simply following a rule. It is about remembering that God did a miracle in the life of the people of Israel. And they need to respond to that in grace and gratitude. But he had reduced it to a mere rule to be followed. Sometimes our churches and our wider lives, we can be so caught up in everything that we forget things. We forget other people around us. We forget our humanity. We just forget. Now, there is nothing wrong with a little bit of hard work or competitiveness. But when it becomes all-consuming, when it becomes the only thing that matters, people and institutions then become things to be used instead of to be enjoyed. I will admit when the idea, first initial idea came up a while back about the concept of this congregation entering into Sabbath I was a bit concerned because I was worried to not be doing our regular work or regular thing meant that we were gonna withdraw from the world and just not worry about things anymore. But that's not what we're going to be doing here. Instead, we're going to be spending time reconnecting, reconnecting ourselves to God and to each other. Sabbath is a time Of remembering. It is a time of remembering those connections that matter in our lives. It is also a time to spend thinking about who we are as a church. Because if we just continue to do the same things that we've always done, that we just come to worship, maybe we go to Bible study, we kind of do the regular things, it would be like twisting in midair and not knowing up from down. I've always been interested, there is a part of the design of the Christian Church Disciples of Christ, kind of our affirmation of faith. It's not in the the prose part of it, or the, the poetic part, but it's a part that comes right after it, and it defines what the local church is all about. And I wanted to share that with you. It says this, within the whole family of God on earth, the church appears wherever believers in Jesus the Christ are gathered in his name. Transcending all barriers within the human family, the one church manifests itself in ordered communities bound together for worship, fellowship, and service in varied structures for mission, witness, and mutual accountability, and for the nurture and renewal of its members. Does that describe us? That is not a question to answer now, but it is a question to think about. I hope that during this time of Sabbath, when we stop, when we rest, when we listen, that we will hear the answer. This past week, we mourned the passing of probably one of my favorite authors, the Presbyterian minister, Frederick Buechner. He died at the age of 96 and he was well known for all for his writings. And I know that he wrote fiction, but a lot of his nonfiction books on Christian living to me felt like novels. He had that certain gift. He was someone that I think in some sense, and the reason I wanted to include him in in this conclusion, is that he seemed to embody Sabbath. Because reading him meant you kind of did need to stop and to rest and to listen to your own life and to what God is saying. New York Times columnist David Brooks wrote a piece of appreciation about Beekner this past Friday. And he said this, and I want you to listen to it because I think it's important to our own people, our own life as a church, and to ourselves. This is what David Brooks says. In one of his frequently quoted passages, Beekner wrote, Listen to your life. See it for the fathomless mystery that it is. In the boredom and the pain of it, no less than the excitement and the gladness, touch, taste, and smell your way. To the holy and hidden heart because in the last analysis all moments are key moments life itself is grace one of buechner's often cited observation is that you find your vocation at the spot where your deep gladness meets the world's deep need perhaps like many others i struggle to experience my inner life in the quiet patient deep an old-fashioned way that Beekman experienced this. So much of the world covers all the, covers over all that constant media consumption, shallow communication, speed, and productivity. Sometimes I think the national obsession with politics has become a way to evade ourselves. I hope that this Sabbath is a time that we will listen. To our own lives and to the life of the church. May we listen to our lives as a community of faith. And I can hope, I hope, truly hope that we will pull ourselves out of the rat race to listen to each other and to God and remember who is important. So Biles did, of course, did get back into the competition in Tokyo. After time with a sports psychologist and with practicing, she competed in the balance beam, and she won the bronze. Now, considering the kind of athlete and caliber of athlete that she is, you would think that she was underperforming because she didn't win a gold. But for Biles, compared to the past medals, she said that this bronze was, and I quote, definitely sweeter. Again, I pray, maybe this Sabbath be a time of rest and renewal. Thanks be to God. Amen. Wow. We hope this week's sermon was nourishment for your soul. If you would like to listen to past sermons, watch past worship services, leave a prayer request, or get directions to our worship location, please visit our website at FCCStPaul.org. May God be with you on your daily journey.